0: Hello and welcome to Modern Musicology. I'm Anthony and this episode we have a full house as I am joined by both of my co-hosts, Alan. Alan, how are you? Great, how's it going? Good, thank you. And Rob, how's it hanging, Rob? It's good, how are you? I'm just dandy, thank you. (laughs) Ready for potentially a conversation um, that's a little controversial tonight. As this week... We are going to talk about a topic that may get some people a bit riled up so we are going to warn you ahead of time here and that is whether or not you can ever truly divorce the art from the artist. I think we're all familiar with the concept of what some people call cancel culture. I tend to think of it more as consequences arising from misdeeds. On this show we try and be relatively apolitical so before anyone accuses us of getting political there are frequently calls to boycott artists from all sides of the political spectrum. So what we would like to do this episode is really explore how bad an action has to be before we disengage with an artist. So I think we've probably all got one or two artists who we used to like, and they did something inappropriate, and it makes us go, ee And before we really dig in, I will give my example and that's when I was a teenager, I was a huge fan of a British um, new metal band called Lost Prophets and their singer, Ian Watkins around 12 years ago was arrested and convicted of pedophilia and he is still serving his prison sentence. Now, bearing in mind, there were other people in that band so any royalties from listens and so on would go to them but Hearing his voice, and this is a band I used to love, but hearing his voice makes me feel so disgusted, knowing what he did, that I can no longer listen to that band. And I'm sure we all have examples where we each might feel the same about someone else. So I kind of just want to throw this open, see where we go with it. I'm sure we'll cover a, a broad spectrum. From you know, uh, Michael. I'm sure Michael Jackson will come up in the conversation. Um, no, never. never. <laughs> I, I'm sure there'll be a number of prominent artists uh, who will come up in the discussion as, as we go along the way. So, um, Alan or Rob, I'm, I'm curious, are there any, do you have any similar stories, um, in terms of artists that you used to really love that you can no longer listen to mm-hmm. for something because of something that someone in that band did?
1: So I can say that, you know, living in St. Louis, you are sort of ingrained with, Chuck Berry in your, in your, in your system, you know, you're kind of, and um, Chuck Berry made amazing records. His contribution to rock is pretty incredible. Um, But between, and I, you know, I listened to a ton of Chuck Berry records in high school. You know, I was kind of like um, into punk and new wave, but I was kind of in that part where I'm like, okay, let's dig deeper. And I was really, really into Chuck Berry and really into Jerry Lee Lewis. It's really hard to listen to Chuck Berry. I don't know if you know the whole story, but he recorded women in the, he put video cameras in the in, in bathrooms. So he could, you know, um, that made it pretty hard. And then over the years, you just kept getting story after story after story. And while I can still listen to um, Chuck Berry records, it is a once in a while thing. It is definitely not a um, throw it on all the time thing. And uh, I have to walk by several times a week his statue uh, which is about three blocks from from where I live and it just kind of bugs me and eats under my skin that like gave this guy a statue and it kind of bugs me it's, it's turned me off of his records it's only been the last I'd say 10 years or so too, just you know because the first time you hear something and then you hear a couple other things and other things and it snowballs and I've really been trying to reconcile myself with this about, oh, it's a different generation or, oh, it's a different time. And looking at it through the lens of now, um, recording anyone taking a trip to the bathroom, whether it's 1956 or 2022, it's still pretty bad. Um, mm-hmm. You know, hitting women and doing things, you know, behavior that a lot of the things that artists were mentioning tonight have done. Um you know, pedophilia, all these things, they're going to be just as bad when they happened as they are now. So I think that the cancel argument kind of, you have to look at it with the lens of time. And, you know, I, I've looked at Chuck Berry through the lens of time, and I'm like, yeah, I can't reconcile this as like, it, oh, he's a person of a particular era. And it just, so that's that's mine.
0: Alan, anyone in particular for you?
2: You know, this is, this is a great topic because... Um, you know, this is something I think about all the time. There are a lot of people. Okay. So, so let's start with every person does good and bad things, mm-hmm. you know? So the question is, as you said at the intro, what's the line? What's the cutoff point? Is there something that's, you know, heinous, but not heinous enough to make you stop listening to or supporting an artist? Is there you know something that's you know no matter what the issue is it's the it's the one thing that you will not so you know what's the degree that we're you know that each person has to make that decision on their own what's the degree of of you know severity that makes you turn and you know there's there's, there's lots of things i mean there was all kinds of issues I'm a big KISS fan, everybody knows. And there was a lot of issues with Vinnie Vincent, you know, who had been in and out of the band well, and in and out of lawsuits with the band and, you know, got into all kinds of legal troubles outside of, you know, after he left KISS and all this kind of stuff. And all these, you know, we were talking about pedophilia. Animal abuse is a big one for me. And there was allegations of animal cruelty, because of, you know, carcasses of dead dogs that were found all over his property. Now, he had a story that the courts believed and no charges were brought against him. But, you know, if that had been the case, would that be enough to make me stop listening to Creatures of the Night or lick it up? I don't know. That, that's that's kind of my my issue. I tend to I tend to still listen. I tend to I I think I I think I separate the art from the artist. I think,
0: you know, and I wrestle with that sometimes.
2: I I don't have a definitive answer for you.
0: (laughs) I think we all do. I mean, one artist who I used to really enjoy put out a phenomenal album at the end of 2020. And that was Marilyn Manson. We Are Chaos was on my shortlist for album of the year. And, of course, within months of it going out, all of the accusations started spinning around his abuse of multiple women. And that that broke my heart. Um, that, that's a real hot button for me. And it's one of those things where I went through my Spotify and I removed every, every song I had on my liked playlist. Bar one. The one I didn't remove was his cover of Cat People Putting Out Fires that he did with uh, Shooter Jennings. And my train of thought there was that was Shooter's song. Mm -hmm. Marilyn's probably not getting much in terms of royalties out of it. But, you know, this is... We're very quick to make... to put judgment on people before there's a formal conviction Mm -hmm. but with Marilyn Manson I felt I had to put a hold on his music until there was something more substantive in either direction and I think that's generally how I operate when there when an accusation comes along of that magnitude but I think there's there's degrees of this I mean what are you okay Mm. with right you know, if you find that an artist has done securities fraud or stolen from their manager, is that okay? Like, <laughs> what 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 are you okay with? I I would be fine, candidly, if I found out that you know a band or or a singer I really loved had engaged in securities fraud. I I <laughs> like to me that's that's so much less right <laughs> than you know abusing a partner or animal abuse or, you know, anything like, yeah, anything cruel or, you know, rapey for want of a better term. Right. Those are probably my hot buttons.
2: Well, and since you brought the name up earlier, that's, that's the issue with Michael Jackson. There is a lot of Michael Jackson music that I really love. Not a, I'm not a huge fan of Michael Jackson, but there is a lot of his stuff that I really like. So am I willing to continue to listen? If I do continue to listen, does that mean that I'm okay with, you know, sexual aggressions against kids? Allegedly. Um, I don't know. I mean, is it okay to listen to a Michael Jackson song and listen to it with the ears of from 1983 from 1990 you know when i first heard these songs and first loved those songs or do i have to only listen with 2022 ears knowing everything that is currently known about michael jackson how do you how do you continue to listen with that in your head
0: And I think Michael Jackson's an interesting case because Mm. I want to ask the question, does it change if the artist is deceased? If you know that your streams, your purchasing of the record no longer lines that person's pockets, right? does that change it? Exactly.
2: That was one of the points that I was going to bring up. Does that change that? Because, okay, if we're talking about Michael Jackson and the stuff that he did and Marilyn Manson, you know, this isn't this isn't only uh, contained in modern music. It isn't only a rock and roll thing. I mean, I studied music history in college. Go back to, um, I think it was Vivaldi in the in the uh, Baroque era, who you know, th- there was a soprano who could not get her part right, and he literally held her over mm-hmm. a a window ledge and threatened to throw her off a second or third floor window to yeah. her injury or death, if she could not get her shit together. So does that make it make it something that I shouldn't be listening yeah. to? I mean, I don't like Vivaldi music anyway, but aside from that, you know, there was a guy called Gesualdo who was earlier than Vivaldi who murdered I mean, murdered two people and not like just killed them, like stabbed them, kicked them, beat them over and over to make sure they were dead. So, yeah, you know, I mean, nobody listens to Jez Waldo now anyway. So that's almost a, a moot point. But <laughs> but let's but let's talk about Wagner, Wagner, yeah. Wagner was, I was just so, good, yeah, Wagner was so famously anti-Semitic that. Years after his death, the rising Nazi party in Germany adopted his music as the symbol of pure Germanic, you know, mm-hmm. anything that yeah. was that was what they were stood for and against the things that they and the people that they were against. So do you listen to, you know, Wagner's music? Do you listen to the ring cycle with that in your head? <laughs> the problem is, so this is funny because this actually came up the other day.
1: There is a uh, biography about him written in the last couple of years by Alex Ross, who's a really great music writer. And generally, anything that guy gets, I'll read. And I just saw it, it's like, oh, God, I can't read a biography on Bach. Bog- I just can't. It's one of the few times. Like if it would have been a biography of Michael Jackson, <laughs> I probably would have read it. Right? I, I, I can't. I can't necessarily um, register this in a common sense. But Wagner was just so. I I just couldn't do it. Right. Um, Getting to your point with Michael Jackson, I tend to listen to him with the ears of, like, you know, when I heard Thriller, for example, I was very young. When I heard the Jackson Five, I was really young. Also, a lot of the problems that he got probably came from years of abuse on him, Mm -hmm. uh, which is still not an excuse, but there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. So, you know, I tend to treat this whole subject with, yes, I am subjective. I'm human. I'm subjective with it to a certain extent. Um, but with Michael Jackson, it's like, okay, th- I try to look at it within the context of when it was made. And also, like, you know, Michael Jackson musically was a genius. You have to admit that. Okay. I mean, Phil Spector, same thing. Ge- genius of music garbage is mm-hmm. life. Absolutely. And you kind of have to just stop and sort of put that away over here. And then I don't beat myself up about it necessarily that I appreciate works that they're that they do. Um mm-hmm. in the case of Wagner, I just can't. But um and I don't know why. You know, I had the same issue with listening to, you know, a couple other bands where you just know the artist is a jerk and you don't like their music. I treat it like that. Right. It's like this guy in this band is a jerk, but I still listen to their records. I kind of treat it like that, you know, where it's I can't if I start holding everyone who's an artist uh accountable for their personal things, I won't like anything. That's the exactly. first thing. And, exactly. But at the same time, I can if I'm having this conversation with Michael Jackson, I can say, you know, Michael Jackson was a genius, he was great, but I would always make it a point to acknowledge that and bring it up. And I think if you, I think the problem is if you start denying it or if you start saying, oh, yeah, this guy was accused of being a pedophile, but that's not a big deal. Then I think you're in then I think you're into some some really scary territory,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: you know, and if you look at, you know, art or literature or movies, you know, if you spent time trying to not like an artist because of who they were, we wouldn't like anything. But. At the same time, you know, there is, I think there's a pecking order of crimes. I think it's pretty hard to overlook pedophilia, but you know, Michael Jackson is so damn talented. It's a it's hard, right? Um, and I don't I think if you want to live a full life that appreciates things, you you have to keep listening to that because it's the Motown stuff is incredible, you know? It's a very interesting tightrope to walk and it's an uncomfortable walk to. But at the same time, you have to look at that and say, you acknowledge it and you kind of move on. That's just kind of how I do it at this point. And I try to keep the music in the context of when it was made.
2: Okay. So, but if it's being currently made, then that's different than if the person has passed away and it's not being currently made, right?
1: I don't think, you know, I, I don't know if I've thought of it in that context because I don't know of anybody who I currently
2: listen to this done you know If Michael Jackson
1: was still alive this would be a whole different conversation
2: I think right um
1: and that's an interesting point I've not ever really thought of that in that context Mm -hmm. before
0: but I I think Michael Jackson is such an Michael Jackson is such an interesting example because there were always accusations and whispers around him when he was alive Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know now it's it's almost that we know that he paid off his accusers or what have you. They came to cash settlements and it just never went away. And in death, it's becoming more and more clear to most of us that the rumors, the whispers, the accusations were credible. I don't want to say definitely true because I still don't think anything's been definitively proven, but they seem to be credible. So... Right. How did he get away with this all all that time? Was he just by the stage that things started coming to light? He was just too famous, too okay. rich, all the friends in the right places, too many vested interests to let him get convicted. Or what else could it have been? And I, I,
1: he had the were power. Were we naive of,
0: in the early nineties? I guess
1: we were naive, but he also had the full thrust of. His management, his management team and a record label that is a billion-dollar corporate entity behind him, too.
0: Mm-hmm. That could kind of help sweep some of that under the rug. But in protecting him, they effectively made themselves complicit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
0: Right. right. It's is, so is there... the conversation outside of music. It's the conversation we now have about the BBC and Jimmy Savile. Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Well... Okay, so there were those two guys who came forward and um, have said basically told in detail the things that they went through with Michael. And mm-hmm. prior to that, they had um, attested in court that everything was untrue, that there wasn't that stuff going on. They said they changed their story later on, but. And, and with an extraordinary amount of detail, but they also said that one of the things that happened was that, uh, I mean, one of the boys, um, I don't know how old they were when this stuff was taking place, but, but Michael staged a mock wedding with one of the boys, and it was just all kinds of twisted stuff, including being threatened with jail and with all kinds of other things if they ever told anyone. So you can see why someone would say one thing and then later on, especially after the person who has threatened them has passed away, change their story. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't know, but when you talk about, um, you know, whether it's uh, something that's currently happening or not, this is the argument that we're having about J.K. Rowling. Is that not a music figure? But she has upset so many people in a particular um, corridor of life that they have sworn off ever supporting anything that she does. And so, and she never backs off of her statements. She doubles down on them. So she makes even more people mad. So, you know, that's an example of somebody in addition to uh, somebody like Marilyn Manson, that is someone who, is facing consequences from uh current actions, current words.
0: Yeah. Sorry, and she's an in, she's she's another interesting example because there's a segment of that fandom who say they will never support anything she does again. But they've a lot of them have already bought the books and are oh, willing to still enjoy what they already have they just don't want to further contribute to her finances which is such an interesting take Mm -hmm. because it's Mm -hmm. not the i'm going to completely divorce myself from this world that she created i don't find the the fiction tainted but the person is tainted and i'm not going to go and buy another book by her i'm not going to go and see another film that her name is on uh, at the movies or or what have you it's you know, I, I think as we've moved to to, to tie this back to, to music, to me, a lot of it is about that bottom line. It's about the revenue. It's about, am yeah. I con- further contributing to this person's um, fortunes, basically? Right, right. And as music has moved more in the direction of streaming, so every time you listen to... Someone, even if it's a tiny amount of revenue, they get, you know, what is it like two cents from you or something. But if you own the record on CD and you have for twenty years, right? Like, I, I almost feel like that's a different story. Unless you are personally disgusted by what the person did, as I was with Ian Watkins and Lost Profits.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But, like, do you get what I'm saying? It, it feels mm-hmm. like it's a little different. In, in circumstances where you can go and enjoy that person's work if you're not further contributing to their fortunes. Mm-hmm.
2: I think there's also a degree of this that it, it, it's how personally it hits you. If you are yeah. someone who is in the trans community and you take the words that JK Rowling has said as a personal attack, I think that you might not enjoy the Harry Potter books that you've owned for 20 years. I think that what has happened, it will taint anything that has to do with that work. So I don't think in that instance, you would be able to separate the art from the artist. As far as someone like Michael Jackson goes, um, what he did allegedly was heinous. Um, And it is something that, you know, because I think of my niece and nephew Mm -hmm. had someone ever done anything Mm -hmm. like that to my niece or nephew oh my god but you know there are other situations Mm -hmm. that it it, if it hasn't if it doesn't affect me personally i don't feel as uh, strongly about it you know what i mean i don't have the same reaction to it so yeah i I don't know if that's a factor or not well i
1: think that's i think that's natural but i also think too that a lot of this too depends on where society is moving on how they view things, you know, 10 years ago, we did not look at the Michael Jackson issue through the same lens that we do now. And I think it's just, and, and you know, 20, 30 years ago, this or 20 or 30 years from now, this may not even be a thing, you know? Um, it, and I, you know, I tend to think that most people that I know that listen to Michael Jackson, listen to it with the caveat of like, he has this asterisk by them, right? Yeah. Um, it's not to bring a sports ball comparison into it, but it's like, it's the same thing as like, if you find out an athlete you really like has steroids, you're like, wow, I really mm-hmm. loved watching him play, but I knew he was a cheater. Right. Mm-hmm. I kind of look at it through that same lens um, in that. Okay. What they did here, this is their private life. And yet to a certain extent, it's none of my business. And this is what they did as an artist. However, there are times when their private life stuff is so resonating like a, a, a nerve in you that just you find appalling that you have to walk away. And yeah. I think that is up to every person. I can't. Sure, you know, of course. I, and I, I think that's, you know, trying to figure out this has been an interesting sort of subject to think about all week um, as we lead, a, lead up to the show is like, you know, it is people's personal boundaries. It is people's personal experiences. And it also is to a certain extent, you know, what are you willing to give up? Right, you right. Know, if you don't like Michael Jackson because he allegedly did this, what do you do next time if you find out it's somebody if if it's artist X or artist Y, right right? How do you do it's utterly fascinating as a subject to uh, to think about.
0: And I, I think that's a good point, Rob. It is a personal decision on how you react to the misdeeds of an artist, right? I think, again, I realize we're a music podcast, but JK Rowling is candidly such a perfect example because we're seeing this, on, you know, happen in real time right now. Exactly. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of people out there who don't know any trans people. They haven't, ever, to their knowledge, encountered a trans person. They don't care right. There, I've I've met a few trans people who take that. Points i mentioned earlier if they can still enjoy the work they're just not going to support her further Mm -hmm. i I also think too
1: that some of these issues um not to throw gasoline on this uh are also based on gender you know um in terms of like the actions of marilyn manson for example not that any of us here would but some people that are male in this country would probably not be as offended by it as some females sadly that's how it is right so I think to a certain extent, it also is how it affects you as a man or as a woman. Yeah. Uh, if you're a decent human being, it doesn't matter. But there are people that will quantify that. And mm-hmm. it, every person has their own sort of little square that they put things in. And if it's in this square, it's okay. But if it's outside of this square, you know, um, it, it's hard because you don't want to be a morality police. But at the same time, um, you have to think about the consequences of what you do and what you like. I just choose not to buy anything else that I have. Like I didn't buy the thriller reissues and I didn't buy, you know, a lot of the other stuff that came out after this really sort of really, after bad came out, I kind of stopped because it just started to to groundswell. Um, And I think that's kind of a moderate way to look at it. It's like, you know, I like this stuff until here. And then after that, I kind of have to step away from it. And I think you have to acknowledge it too. I I, I think the worst thing you can do is be a fan of somebody that's that horrible and just say, oh, well, that's all lies. It's like, no, there is something going on. We don't know the truth. We don't know, but this is a stigma. And, you know, you have to acknowledge that it hasn't been proven one way or another, but you have to admit that, you know, yes, there is some some cloud around person X or person Y. And I think that's how you look at it.
2: I was listening to... um... One of the morning shows on uh, Sirius XM 106, the volume, that's their talk channel, all talk shows about music. And Lori Majewski brought up a really interesting point in it. And this was part of a larger discussion. It wasn't, this wasn't the topic of discussion, but about Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions. If Motley Crue were to get inducted, do you in, induct them strictly on the uh, strength of the music or, Do you consider that in the 80s in particular, when, I mean, anything that they did in the 80s is the reason that they're getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, not because of who they are now. In the 80s, they portrayed women in a pretty horrible way, in a pretty objectionable way. Uh, I don't know. You know, you could make a case for them being misogynistic. So do you reward them? for the work that they did in the eighties, considering the attitude toward women that they had in the eighties. Uh, I mean, the problem is
1: if you start doing that and, and you have with that discussion is if we start looking at people in the rock and roll hall of fame and judging them now, um, Right,
2: but she's right and 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 that got that point got brought up and she said but I'm not talking about people who are already in and you know you consider things about them I'm talking about people who aren't in and are and might be considered
0: So she so was what's trying about to get Eminem's rid- more violent lyrics
2: Well, yes, that's a good point and a <laughs>
0: currently relevant point <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, what do you do I mean some of his lyrics are really violent. And Mm -hmm. yeah yeah there's also an element of repentance right Uh, so if you have an artist who yeah if you have an artist who you know in the 80s or what have you said things that were incredibly misogynistic and has since come forward and said you know that's not who i am i've done a lot of reflection as as a person and you know they apologize right that's really different and and again i hate going back to the same one but ian watkins after he was imprisoned mm. for his paedophilia, in a phone call to a fan, he described his sex offenses as and I quote, mega lols. Unquote. What? Yeah. So utterly, okay. yeah. utterly unrepentant. Right. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. You know, it's it's Shit. disgusting. Whereas Yeah again, someone who looked back and said, I made a mistake, what have you, I'm really sorry, I'm working on changing as a person, it right. it, it becomes a little bit different. I, I I'm agree. not sure I could ever, yeah, I'm not sure I could ever move past something of the magnitude of what Ian Watkins did, even if he mm-hmm. was repentant about it. Right. But, you know, if, like, Motley Crue, you know, were inducted, and they did come out and say, really sorry for our attitudes towards women we you know we were young we've changed society's changed and we've changed with it it becomes yeah, yeah. a little bit different yeah
2: right and you and know. i think that uh lori majuski who said that is is someone who's really really sensitive about those kind of issues and um and you know I, I think that it would not be an issue with most of the people who were voting for or whatever but um You know, I mean, that would be like if someone in the trans community had to be in a position of voting for J.K. Rowling for, you know, whatever award got voted. And do you do it? So I don't know. I mean, like we were saying earlier, every person makes their own decision about it. And it's just like uh, not to go another non-music route, but it's just like uh, Chick-fil-A. Um, You know, a lot of folks in the LGBTQ community are, you know, have boycotted Chick-fil-A and it's not necessarily about, well, it isn't always about hurting the the person or the company that you're uh, boycotting. It's how you choose to spend your money. If you want your money to go to a certain person, a certain thing that has done certain things, then, Mm -hmm. you know, that's fine. And if you don't, you know, I know that if I were to stop eating at Chick-fil-A, the company would continue. But I would have the knowledge of knowing that I was not putting my seven and a half dollars for a chicken sandwich toward what they're, you know, doing. The other side of that is that Every company, as I was saying earlier, every company, every artist is a mix of good and bad. And so, you know, while Chick-fil-A has done some things that has hurt a particular segment of society and has actually done things that acts against them, they've also done other good things too. So it's a matter of deciding whether the good outweighs the bad. Does the does the pile of good things outweigh the pile of bad things? And is there one bad thing that's so bad that it outweighs like five good things or ten good things
0: incidentally on the chick-fil-a example they tried to expand into the uk a couple of years ago yeah and there was such um pushback because of their donations to anti-lgbtq um organizations that they only lasted about three months Uh, i remember that Mm-hmm. And they have not tried to re-enter <laughs> the UK market since. Wow! So proud of my homeland. Their initial restaurant <laughs> was in uh, the town of Reading, which is where I went to university. So oh, very nice. proud of of my uh, my second home, or I guess my third home now. But um, yeah, I mean, I think you know, people's actions and putting your money where your mouth is can have an impact. You know, hit them mm-hmm. where it hurts in the wallet right so uh, i guess the other thing i wanted to touch on with this and i think rob you brought up phil Spector earlier <sighs> is right <laughs> is when you have someone who's production and not the voice of something does that change it mm, you know yeah do you listen to um let it be in a different light knowing that phil spector convicted i mean
1: when i listen to phil spector records especially as much as i have in the last month with the passing of ronnie spector right um i'd like to think that ronnie spector is the light that sort of blinds out the darkness in that instance um you know that is that is tricky because it's like okay i understand that um in this particular instance, the person that produced these records was absolutely horrible, right? But also, uh, outside of the the murder thing, you know, uh, Ronnie Spector sued Phil Spector for lost money. So there is there is some sort of a, you look at this and you start to feel sympathetic for the artist. It's kind of like, he made a great record, but boy, he really swindled his artists, right? We used to think, you know, until the murder, it was like, Phil Spector produced some great records, but he really cheated his, his artists, right? And then this happens and you're like, ah. well, you throw your arms up in the air. It's, in the case of Phil Spector, I, I can't not listen to those records because those Crystals records are so great. You know, the Ronnie Spector records are so great. I have to listen to them with, with an asterisk. Um, and, you know, part of my thinking for this is that for every bad uh, effect that he put into the world, there is also how many people... Got to step forward. I mean, what what Phil Spector did for getting African African American artists at the forefront of contemporary music, you know, can't be overlooked. But at the same time, those records brought a lot of joy to people um, and influenced. You know, there are literally hundreds of artists today that have been influenced by the Phil Spector sound and the Wall of Sound. So, in this case, I'd like to think that the light outweighs the dark. Um, but it's, it's 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 a tricky tightrope. You know, now, if Phil Spector made a record himself, I'd be like, no, I'm not going to listen to it. You know, uh, I'd be where you are with the Marilyn Manson camp probably if Phil Spector was an artist. Um, but I can't, you know, I can't fault the Righteous Brothers for the things that Phil Spector did. That would be kind of silly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I'd listen to it with with the caveat and with the asterisk. as my, You know, And I make it a point to, like, make it as part of the narrative of the history of the record. I mean, if you are a fan of music and you write about music, right, um, you have to give the narrative and the context. You could be completely in the right by saying, you know, Phil Spector produced some of the greatest records ever made, blank, 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 and blank, but he was convicted for prison, you know, for murder and went to prison. And I think that's a perfectly fine way to tell that story that's not... You know, going to um, put him in a light. You're not spinning Phil Spector suddenly as, you know, an angel. You're sort of just saying, this is what he did. It's out there.
0: Hmm. Oh, that made sense. (laughs) That did. I think so. The other one I think of as an interesting example, and specifically records they made as a duo, are Ike and Tina Turner. Oh my God. Well, yeah.
2: obviously that's another one,
0: you know, oh, right okay.
2: after Michael Jackson, that's the next example. That's I, yeah. so and obvious. I can
1: tell you that, you know, having, having, when I worked at the, worked at a record store, we had a like, Turner for an in-store. Right. And it was very, very, very hard. Um, to be in the position where like for part of the day, you know, I'm his, what they call their handler, like their guest guy. Right. 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 Right he was warm and considerate and friendly and he was gracious to the fans and please and thank you. And I'm glad you came or I'm glad you liked the record and
0: mm-hmm.
1: you watch it and you're like really torn. It's like, wow, he's really got the light switch on. Right. But then, so if you didn't know any of that, you'd be like, wow, this guy's really great. He's really yeah. nice to the fans. Right. But if you do know, you're like, uh, and I mean, I really rest. I couldn't listen to it. I turned a record for at least 10 years after that. Um, because it's, you know, there is never a time when it's okay to hit it, hit a woman or even anybody, you know, in, in a relationship. Right. right. But um, it was very hard just because it's like, I didn't see any sense of acknowledgement that he did anything wrong. And, I didn't see any um, sort of desire to like apologize, you know, but then he's, you know, he's doing a record signing. I wouldn't expect him to,
2: you know? No. I mean, that's not and the, I, that's not the made, platform for that to happen. Yeah.
1: And I made the choice for, in my, for, from my perspective, I'm like, I'm not going to get anything I have by him signed. Right. I'm not going to buy anything from him because he was selling stuff at his table. I'm not giving him my money. Right. Right. Um, but it's very easy to sort of like, wow, this guy's really nice. And then you completely forget about it. And then you walk away from it for a minute. You're like, the light goes back on.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, he may be nice now, but he used to put his cigarettes out on Tina Turner's skin. Yeah. So, exactly. you know, yeah. Yeah. That and would was, be, a, that would be a tough one to do.
0: I'm curious, Rob, cause you know, this sort of stuff when she eventually left him, did she lose her rights to everything?
1: You know, the,
0: the,
1: first of all, I have to recommend the Tina Turner
0: documentary that's been
1: on all year long because it really goes into this more. She lost, from what I understand, the way the way it worked is, and I think later there was a lawsuit. The, the songs that were hers with Ike Turner, she lost. The stuff okay. that was her own, she won. And then later she went back and got a percentage of it. You know, But it was so bad. I mean, what, what, Tina, what Tina Turner went through was so bad, she just
0: like, I left. She's, I mean yeah. right, right, right. But where, where I was going with that is does it make a difference if you know you knew that she was still getting a cut of what they did together? Does I would that...
1: No, I would I would expect her to still get a cut because I want her to get some sort of profit from the bullshit she went through. Mm-hmm. Uh, pardon my French, right? Um I have no problem with her getting a cut from it because she did her part, she lived up to her her end oh, of the bargain. Uh...
0: I, I think you misunderstood what I was asking, okay. Rob. D- does it make it, it it if you know she's getting a cut? Does it make it easier to listen to those I Can'tina Turner records, knowing yeah. what he did?
1: So now it's easier to go through it because her side of the story is out, and it's so prevalent, and the narrative is different than it was maybe 20, 30 years ago. It's a little easier to listen to those records. Um. I think knowing that she got some sort of justice for me, the, it's not necessarily the financial thing. It's, it's the vindication that she got to tell her story. Right. Yeah. I think that's the larger issue is that her story got told. Her story is out there. It is on record, you know? Um, and I, I think I feel better. I mean, yes, I'm yes. I'm glad that she got a cut of, of what she should have made. I mean, I think that she's entitled to that. I don't, you know, but I also think that, her story being out there is at just as important because I think having it out there and not sequestered or held back anymore is huge because from now on, when anyone listens to an Ike Turner record or an Ike and Tina Turner record, that is out there. And I think that that, you know, it's kind of like when you go to, if, if you it's kind of like OJ, right? OJ got off on murder, but he's never going to walk into any place he goes without that haunting him over his head. It's kind of like that. I mean, I know that's a horrible, um,
0: boy, this is a really cheerful podcast. I'm, I'm um, telling you. <laughs> um, <laughs> we knew this was going to be a heavy subject. Going oh, no, into no, no. It, so. I know.
1: But I, I think, you know, I kind of look at it as that way. It's like, you know, that's something that that person, even if he got away with it, walks into a room and that's always going to be there. If Michael Jackson was alive today, any room he walked into, that is there. And that's a heavy thing to live with, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Um, so I think there is some of that. And the fact that she got her story out, she got vindicated, that story became a movie that got you know a ton of money, and the story got out there, that is a certain degree. It does not take any of, of the pain and the abuse and the physical and emotional trauma away, but it does create a sense of vindication when you think about the person with that.
2: Okay, so since you bring up I Can'tina*, which is a uh, which is issues between a couple and issues within a musical act. The thing that I think of is uh, Fleetwood Mac. I'm a huge Fleetwood Mac fan of all lineups, not just the popular ones. But speaking of the popular ones, you know, Lindsay, this was so highly publicized over the last few years. Lindsay finally got kicked out of the band. He's a musical genius. There is no question, but he finally got kicked out of the band because of the way he treats Stevie Nicks. And there was a lot of percentage of the fandom who blamed Stevie for getting him kicked out. But he I mean, they have had trouble since the minute they stepped into the band. Uh, They were, they were okay. They were, you know, kind of rocky at the time. It got worse from there. There has been a lot of stuff over the years and Stevie finally had enough of it. And um, you know, and I can understand her position. So here's the thing I listened to. Okay. So I listened to the stuff on the first Fleetwood Mac album, a particular way, the first album that they did. I listened to the stuff on rumors, a very different way because the stuff in on on the rumors album was made when their relationship is disintegrating when john and christine's relationship is disintegrating when uh, mick fleetwood has a best friend who's cheating with his wife you know all this shit is going on and all that shit goes into the songs but i also listen to it with the knowledge that stevie says every single time they sang the chain on stage together, she relived all that shit that they went through when they were making it a, that's extraordinarily unhealthy to go through that much emotional turmoil. Mm -hmm. Every time you sing a song for 40 years, but also it adds up. And, you know, there have been other incidents incidents over the years, um, where one time Lindsay just got completely drunk and, you know, got furious and, started mocking Stevie on stage and all this kind of stuff. And when they went backstage, Christine punched him in the face and said, don't you ever do that to this band again, just story after story like that to the point where uh former girlfriends have said that he was maybe not physically abusive, but definitely vocally and emotionally abusive and so it's it's a pattern that doesn't necessarily only affect stevie it affects other people that he has been in relationships with so you know it's hard to listen to anything without that knowledge you know to it's hard to separate that stuff you know and it's even harder in that case because some of that stuff is portrayed lyrically in the songs I mean, mm-hmm. you can hear them taking jabs at each other in the lyrics of the songs. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a it's a bizarre
0: situation. And, and it finally came to a head. And that's such a bizarre thing because that's part of what makes those songs great is that right. tension. Right. And, you know, that anger at each other, it created something musically phenomenal. But when you know yeah. the story behind it, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Right. Right. And you
2: feel bad that anybody has to live through that for that many years. And there was some award show that they were going to be uh, music cares. That's what it was. And they were going to be doing a thing. And Lindsay wasn't happy about something and took a snipe at her. And she was like, that's it. I'm done. You know, I know we're 300 years old and our, you know, the 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 peak of our career is behind us, but I'm done You are going to fire him or I'm going to quit one or the other. You take your pick. So
0: that's how that went down. I I respect that. I respect in in saying something like I'm too old to deal with this shit. Now I've made my money. We've been hugely successful. If I'm in this band, it's because I want to be in this band and I don't want to be in this band with him anymore. Right. I I really respect that. Um, I agree. I completely disagree with any so-called fan who is blaming her for him getting kicked out. Like right. you do not mm-hmm. blame. You do not victim blame basically. Yeah. You know, you, and you certainly yeah. don't blame the person who's standing up for themselves after mm-hmm. years of emotional abuse.
2: Right. And, and that really that comes down to the whole, you know, hashtag me too thing about Mm -hmm. believe women when they tell you a thing,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. you know, do not, don't immediately put them on the defensive by not believing them by not accepting a story. You know, I mean, let's be honest. There, there are people who may make up a story who may say a thing to damage another person and it not be true. We had that happen with, just at, whatever his name is just at Smalley or whatever the hell that guy's that actor's name is he he did that made up a thing and it came back to bite him because it wasn't true but don't immediately dismiss anything that someone mm-hmm. tells you like that because
0: I, I'm going to go very personal for a second and I realize I'm putting this out on the internet in term in the form of a podcast mm. when my marriage broke down my ex in an attempt to discredit me, came out with an enormous number of things that were completely untrue. Mm. And what was interesting about it was depending on who she was talking to, her story changed depending on what she thought they would believe. Mm. Um, And anyone who was talking to each other very quickly realized that the story wasn't consistent. But even after going through that, myself, I'm a firm believer that when someone comes forward and says, I've been mistreated, I've been abused, someone's been violent, Mm -hmm. listen to them. That doesn't necessarily mean they're automatically telling the truth. Listen to what they have to say. Right. Like, don't just dismiss it out of hand. And, you know... We do have a justice system that's innocent until proven guilty. It doesn't always work. People get away with things they shouldn't get away with. But the first step to changing that is listening to every story. Yep. And I'm going to get off my soapbox now, because we've gone really heavy with this episode. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we're going to end it on the note of listen understand investigate and when it comes to whether or not you can divorce the art from the artist i think the conclusion that we as a group have come to is it's a very personal matter you've yeah. got to decide what you're okay with and that's personal so alan what are we talking about <laughs> next time round let's let's Ooh. get off this heavy topic
1: so next week we're talking about books
0: oh yes 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 so, yes so rob are we yes. going to be dealing
2: with any subjects as heavy as this next week
1: uh well books are heavy some weigh 500 or 600 pounds uh, especially a stack of them right Exactly. You know,
2: um if they're electronic many they cases of books in my time
1: oh my god yeah um mm-hmm. we're talking about books next week books about music whether it's fiction where music is at the core of it whether it's a nonfiction title you know by somebody you like or if you just you know we've had two years where we're mostly inside i don't know about you guys but i've read a ton of books and i sort of gravitated to music books so
0: there's that and there's a lot of great music fiction related stuff out well that brings us to the end of this episode so join us next time around as rob will host the conversation about books uh but in the meantime alan where can we find you I have another podcast found in
2: all the usual places called uh, Earth Station Trek. As the name implies, it's all about Star Trek. And we do get on subjects this heavy sometimes on that show. Um, And I also have a little publishing company
0: called Cosmic Press. And you can find us at CosmicPress.com. Awesome. And I highly recommend both Alan's podcast and his books. Oh, I appreciate that very much. Rob, how about you? Where can we find you?
1: Uh, so, you can find me on uh, real radio um, on KDHX Wednesdays from uh, 7 to 9, and then also with uh, needcoffee.com with podcasts and, and writing and all sorts of stuff.
0: And um, what I will say is, Rob has his shows available, um, a, kind of a backlog of them on the KDHX website. Yeah, they Highly... stream for two weeks two weeks so highly recommend going and listening to them he's very good and has a great selection of music so definitely check him out and as for myself you can also find me on the Watchers in the Fourth Dimension podcast where we are significantly more whimsical than the conversation we've had tonight Uh, we are a Doctor Who podcast watching our way through all of Doctor Who from 1963 until now Um, we are currently in the middle of the John Pertwee era so in around 1972 You can find us in all the usual places that Alan referred to. Um, Please do check us out. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening to Modern Musicology. This has been um, an interesting conversation. I hope it hasn't driven anyone to despair, that you found it interesting and engaging. But we will be back next time round, and we hope you'll join us. Thank you all, and have a good one.